my mother made videos about war, about our dacha, about city. She made this video for me and she posted these videos in Facebook. So we had connection like this. This is Voices of Ukraine, a podcast from Columbia University's Harriman Institute. I'm Masha Udenseva-Brenner, and the voice you just heard was award-winning Ukrainian documentary filmmaker Zoya Lektionova. She was one of our 2022-23 Harriman residents at Columbia University's Reed Hall in Paris. Zoya is a Mariupol native who lived in Kyiv for nearly two decades, until Russia's full-scale invasion displaced her in 2022. She started making documentaries five years ago to help her grapple with the war Russia started in 2014 and its impact on Mariupol, situated near the front line. Today, you'll hear her story. I was born in a family of workers. All my family worked at a metallurgical plant that called Azovstal plant. The now infamous Azovstal plant. The same plant where the last and longest lasting battle for Ukrainian control of Mariupol took place last year. Much of Zoya's childhood was spent at that plant. My mother was a construction crane operator, so when I was five years old, I first went up to this construction crane. Zoya's mother took her in the crane, and Zoya loved the exhilaration of floating above the city the panorama of the plant and the industrial equipment unfolding below her. Her mother had gotten the job at the plant because of her father, Zoya's grandfather. He'd worked there since World War II. After the Germans destroyed the city's industry and the Soviet authorities worked to rebuild it, forcibly relocating Zoya's grandfather from a central western Ukrainian village to help. Her grandfather, who couldn't serve in the war because he only had one eye, was shocked at his new life as an industrial laborer. Until then, he'd spent his time working in a forest. He was just hands for Soviet Union to rebuild cheap and fast industry. He ended up working for the plant his entire life. And Zoya has fond memories from there, and about her childhood in general. She says she felt close to her grandfather as a child. I have my storytelling talent <laughs> because of fairy tales that he told me. He told her Ukrainian fairy tales. But even though he was a native Ukrainian speaker and spoke the language with her mother and grandmother, Zoya spoke to him only in Russian. Mariupol is just 35 miles from the Russian border, and Zoya says that Ukrainian speakers were mocked and treated like village people. So I grew up in an atmosphere like that. The Ukrainian was not popular. In addition to the fairy tales, Zoya's grandfather also told her stories about the village that he and her grandmother had come from. But Zoya wasn't so interested in visiting it. I liked this metallurgical plant. I liked big houses. Mariupol is located on the Azov Sea, with wide open fields and a coastline abutting industrial architecture. Zoya says this unique landscape, this location between the steppe and the sea, and the factories in the background, has inspired much of her work. It's meditative. I can be inside my head and imagine everything I want. 
my fantasy came from these landscapes. When Zoya was eight, a big tragedy struck her family. Her grandfather was killed in a horrible accident at the plant. He died under the construction crane that was operated by his daughter and my mother. The freak accident wasn't her mother's fault, but it left a lasting mark. After that, my mother was in depression all her life because it was really big trauma for her. Zoya's grandfather's death cast a long shadow, and Zoya thought about it often throughout the rest of her childhood and adolescence. During this period, and throughout her young adulthood, Zoya says she felt distant from her mother, and from her father too, that they didn't have much in common. After high school, Zoya moved to Kyiv to attend university. She studied management and got a job in digital marketing. As a hobby, she loved to take photographs, and she made a lot of artsy friends. She also deepened her relationship with the Ukrainian language and culture, a relationship she'd started to cultivate while in high school after reading some Ukrainian literature that really impressed her. In late 2013 and early 2014, Zoya participated in the Revolution of Dignity. It was an exciting time, but it put even more distance between Zoya and her parents both of whom had absorbed the Russian propaganda about the revolution. But then, that spring, Russia illegally annexed Crimea and invaded Donbass, and suddenly, Zoya's parents found themselves living near the front line. Life became very stressful. Russian-backed separatists tried, unsuccessfully, to take over Mariupol. In 2015, our district was shelled by Russia. My father was injured by part of a missile. Zoya's father was injured by Sharpnell while walking home from the supermarket. He had to spend a month and a half in the hospital, and the injuries bothered him for years to come. But still, Zoya's parents refused to leave their hometown. Their whole lives were there. During this period, Zoya's parents came to visit Kyiv and started to change their political attitudes, gradually understanding the truth about the war Russia had started. In 2016, Zoya gifted her mother a digital camera, and her mother used it to document the new reality in Mariupol. The reality is it looks the same, but you can hear sounds of war always near. So she filmed those fields, dacha, everyday life, dog, cat, father. We have snow today, look at this. And you can hear some shelling somewhere. In this clip, Zoya's mom is filming the beautiful snow at the dacha, nearly untouched, except for a few animal tracks. Then she hears a missile. Ah, Satan, she says. Where's this one going to go? Where the hell is this one going to go? I'm getting heart pains already. Her mother posted these video diaries to Facebook 
as a way of connecting with Zoya. Then, Zoya's friend, documentary filmmaker Maria Stajanova, decided to edit these video diaries into a short documentary film about Zoya and her mother. The film is called Ma, and it won many awards. It also brought Zoya much closer to her mother. We started to go to cinema together and film festivals, and she started to like art house movies. Uh, we attended a lot of exhibitions, drank uh, beer together. After the film transformed their relationship, Zoya started to understand the therapeutic powers of documentary filmmaking. I decided that I can use it like therapy for me too. She felt inspired to make her own film, Diorama, which came out in 2018. It examined the impacts of the military mining that took place on the Mariupol coastline. The mines, which sometimes wash up on the shore, have turned the beaches into a dangerous exclusion zone. It was traumatic for me because I grew up near the sea. Zoya uses her film to process this trauma, illuminating the coastline's dramatic transformation by combining images of the dreary industrial coastline with voices recalling joyful memories on the city's beaches. The film concludes with a shot of Zoya's back as she stands in front of a diorama in a local museum. It depicts the sea life on the coastline along the Azov Sea. The film aired at film festivals and won awards. Less than two years after its release, Russia's full-scale invasion destroyed not only the diorama in the museum, but also the majority of Mariupol, which has been occupied by Russian forces for more than a year now. Zoya screened the film at Columbia last winter, when she visited campus along with other Harriman residents in Paris. After the screening, Zoya told the audience that the museum where she filmed the diorama is also where she got her start in photography. It's where she took her first photographs after her father gave her his old film camera when she was a teenager. Zoya's second film, Territory of Empty Windows, is about the experience of living near the front line in Mariupol. While Zoya filmed it, her mother was battling stage four cancer a cancer Zoya attributes not only to the chemicals her mother had been exposed to from a lifetime working at the Azovstal plant, but also to the stress of living near the front line. Her mother passed away in 2020, just as Zoya was wrapping up filming the project. Zoya says she cried for months, then, she decided to make her mother the film's protagonist and got to work editing the footage she'd collected. I switched to director, not daughter, and after this switch, I started to feel myself better because it helped me to accept her death, to accept the situation. Territory of Empty Windows was also screened at film festivals and also won awards. It ends with a shot of the yellow fields seen through Zoya's family's fifth floor apartment window and the sounds of a phone call. Hello. Hello, Papa, привет. Ты помнишь номер могилки мамы? Ее одноклассница нашла меня в Фейсбуке, хочет сходить. 
Zoya calling her father from Kyiv to ask for the number of her mother's gravesite. This is how viewers find out that her mother has died. Less than two years after Zoya made the film, Russia launched its full-scale invasion of Ukraine, and Zoya evacuated from Kyiv. By this point, her father had left Mariupol and moved to the capital. Zoya tried to convince him to leave Ukraine with her, but he refused. He's still there now. When we spoke, Zoya was at Columbia's Global Center in Paris, where she was working on a film called Ashes, about the Azovstal plant and her family history. This uh, Azovstal plant, it will be a metaphor of totalitarian system and crematorium at the same time. The plan was to film in Mariupol and in the village her grandfather came from, which Zoya fell in love with as an adult after reconnecting with her relatives there. But since Russia destroyed and occupied Mariupol, filming there is no longer possible. And the Azovstal plant has been destroyed, too. She's still making the film, but she's had to rethink the entire thing. Currently, she's in Warsaw in a brief residency, editing the film treatment. She also received a development grant from the Solidarity Foundation to go to Ukraine in August and film there for two and a half weeks. Zoya has been back to Ukraine four times since the full-scale invasion started, including twice to shoot her film. Her father's still in the Kiev region, living with their cats and dogs. Zoya says she's had a difficult time being in safety abroad as the war ravages her country. She's continued to use filmmaking as therapy to get her through it. While on fellowship in Barcelona last year, she made a film called Remember the Smell of Mariupol, which juxtaposes archival footage of a mountain in Mariupol with a similar looking mountain in the Alps as well as Zoya's old family photos and footage of her riding a folding bicycle on a beach. Alongside the footage are closed captions with text written by Zoya in the early weeks of the war, describing the atrocities in Mariupol and her emotional and physical state as she grapples with all of this from Barcelona. Thank you for listening to Voices of Ukraine, a podcast from the Harriman Institute at Columbia University. Please stay tuned for the next episode, in which you'll hear from Ukrainian musicologist Anna Stavushinka, who is former executive director of Kyiv Symphony Orchestra, and another one of our residents in Paris. I want to take a moment to commemorate Ukrainian novelist, essayist, poet, and human rights activist Victoria Medina who was killed by a Russian missile strike on a restaurant in Kramatorsk in early July. Victoria was slated to be our 2023-24 Harriman resident at Reed Hall in Paris, and we're shocked and devastated by her tragic death. Our thoughts are with Victoria's friends, family, and colleagues during this very painful time. I'm Mashu Denseva-Brenner. This episode was written and produced by me, and edited by Nathan Schiller, with editorial guidance from Marko Andrejcik. Our cover art is by Victoria Tentler Krylov. The music for this series is by Ivan Nebesny, who's still in Ukraine.
If you like what you heard, please subscribe, tell your friends, and leave us a review. Those really go a long way in helping the podcast. <laughs>